assume that we were recording the song. No, now we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> now we're recording the sound test. The sound We test. record this sound. I think Alice... Honestly, I think every episode I get quieter and quieter. I, I, I think that's about right. You're just you're just slowly drifting further and further away. And every episode, every time I get closer and closer to the microphone, so I don't know what's going on here. The, microphone is the titty skittles are silencing you. The titty skittles. I haven't taken my titty skittles. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna have to take them at like way the fuck at night. Please remind me at the end of the recording that I need to take them. We will. <laughs> you're gonna, I think for episode 100, you're gonna have to have uh the the microphone like in your larynx. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's it's like it's the like one of those those tank mics where like you have it like okay, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was gonna say like yeah but like Metal Gear Solid three. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Is this sound test over? Uh, I, I, yeah, sure, why not? said boo no i said no. boo okay you're saying woo. i was saying boo earns for some nerds have a podcast are they some. saying woo smithers are they <laughs> saying woo or are they saying boo or woo us Wait, they're saying woo us sir anyway anyway um simpsons deep cut okay is it that deep no, no, not really. And it also wasn't an accurate cut. So you know what? <laughs> Shut your <whore> mouth. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saving the tweet. Do we want to? Do we want to? Do you want to uh, restart this? No. Oh, hey, I mean... we're some nerds have a podcast. We're some nerds and we have a podcast. My name's Elise. Who goes I'm next? Alex. No, I'm Nick. God damn. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll start it you again. Never, you never go first. It's just. <laughs> We're some nerds have a podcast. We're some nerds who have a podcast. I'm I'm Nick. I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Elise. <laughs> and and you're keeping... listening to some nerds. We are keeping every single one of those in. Oh yeah. They're no. The... Each one was better than the Just last. Just the last one. <laughs> Just the last one. Alright. <sighs> How are we doing, y'all? Uh, do we want to talk I... about election, or we just want to get into that sweet, sweet Dune money? <laughs> um, oh, I, I should mean... have said Dune buggy. Dune buggy. I want to get into the Dune buggy. Dwayne. I know we usually talk about politics on this like early section, the goddamn news or whatever. <laughs> but uh... I feel like I it should be the goddamn news. Pew, 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 pew. All right, uh, Terry McAuliffe, shocker, lost the Virginia governor's lace. All right, moving on. <laughs> that's like the, the amount of time and energy that we have to spend on it let's talk mm. about fucking dune dune mm. <laughs> oh my god i'm really doing this dwayne yes. <laughs> i'm really just like fuck the election let's talk T about dune i mean that's probably the best way to get through this without our sanity intact yeah let's, that's true like i don't want to talk about like a terrible like nihilistic political hellscape let's talk about dune <laughs> 
See, it's funny if you've watched the movies mm. and or read the book. So we've all seen Dune now. Dune, yes. You have seen it a bit more recently than I have. Yeah, we not... saw it in IMAX because we're oh. not cheap. You're not cheap. No, you are very pricey. <laughs> It's also was available like it's right it's right down the street from us like why not like if we're gonna go see it why the fuck not <laughs> and uh, also who's the guy let's... that directed it uh Denny Villeneuve Denny Villeneuve was like you better see it in IMAX and if you don't I'm gonna kill a puppy well specifically <laughs> like... <laughs> it was it was you better go see, you you wanted people to go see it in theaters yeah because and and rightly so I think like I feel like if I had watched it like just streamed it for the first time through. I feel like some of the experience would have been lost. And it, I, it honestly, I don't usually go see movies in like IMAX or 3D or anything like that. But I will say seeing this movie in IMAX, I think was worth the extra ticket price. All right, Il, you are in strict Dune Buggy spoiler territory. We're going to be spoiling the first half of the first novel of a six novel series. From the 60s. Yeah. (laughs) From the 1960s. So strap in. Strap in. (laughs) Strap the fuck in. We skipped our politics corner for this tonight, (laughs) y'all. So as Dune super fan, uh, what do y'all think? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm not. Don't let me in with that. <laughs> I'm not, That's me. I'm not the dude. I am that the is one. 100% just oh, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is just Nick the fanboy. Yes. All right. <laughs> Do we want to give like a brief overview of, of the plot before we get into like analysis? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> All right. How much time we got? A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. The known emperor is ruled by the Padishah Emperor Shaddam uh, IV. <laughs> are you are you just doing the opening scroll from the David Lynch yes. version? Yes. He has it memorized. What the hell? You don't what know the hell? You don't know this about him? You married the guy. What? I just, you know, every day in marriage is a new journey. <laughs> and some journeys have to end. Oh, oh no. Just kidding. Just, kidding. Just jokes. Jokes. Like in, in fairness, I probably couldn't have gone on for very much longer. <laughs> Alright, so it's in the far distant future. Uh but it's all future. about the Gulf War. It's about the second Gulf War. I don't know. It's 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 about space feudalism and jihad and oil. It's spice, drugs. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's about a lot. It's about a lot of things. About thinly veiled uh, Arabic metaphors. It's, it's about a... political drama, and... and it's about a fifteen-year-old boy that wants to fuck his mom. I mean, wait, that's he in the... want to fuck his mom. He wants to fuck this woman that's in his dreams. Yeah, he yeah, but like he also that. kind of wants to fuck his mom. That, right? like, there's there's like, a little bit of an edible conflict. There's a little bit of that edible? in this like, version edibles? for like, sure. It's probably only. It's probably because like. Well, the, the actress act- that they got to play his is mom what, is like what ten years older than him. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like because like Timothy Chalamet is like, like 25, 25 yeah. right? And he's playing a fifteen year old, mm-hmm. and then like the woman that they got to play Jessica, I think is like thirty eight or something. So it's just like, well, like you're not actually old enough to be his mom. Um, so it gets like uncomfortably like. I don't know. There's some times when they're like in the tent that you're just like, 
okay, all right, that was a choice you made. That was definitely that was a strong acting choice. You guys went with that cut. That's interesting. I don't know if I would have done that. Um, oh, this is the only took take you uh, you got that day. All right, all right, okay. You know, it's 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 your choice. Um, so I'm sorry. Uh, this is none of this is actually talking about the plot of of Dune at all. <laughs> Um, so what happens next? Uh, uh, they go, okay, so Timothy Chalamet is a 15-year-old boy. His mom is a Bezajariot witch. What did you just say? <laughs> I tried my best to say Bezajariot. What? You said it worse that time. <laughs> the Bene Gesserit? Yes. Bene Gesserit, whatever. She's a witch. She's a space witch. Okay, so she's, she's so her, his mom is a space witch who is Oscar Isaac's concubine. Daddy Oscar Isaac, oh, Daddy Oscar is just given so much in this per- performance. Do, 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 um, oh my God, hold on. Ah, hold on. <laughs> what just happened? Hi. Oh. oh my God, it's just surprise guest Janet. And now we're recording again. And now we're new, recording again. Alex broke the podcast. It only took 99 episodes, but we, we broke the fucking podcast. For once, we it wasn't the podcast. podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, so where we were we? Guest. So we're talking about... Okay, I guess talk over me. We have a guest. Oh, oh. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's okay. My microphone isn't very picking up very much. So we have a guest, uh, Janet. Hello. Hi. This is my girlfriend, Janet. Hi. I uh, came in by surprise. I, I sort of surprised, but not really surprised, but sort of surprised. Uh, surprised the podcast out of existence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty much. There was a whole lengthy uh, bit about uh, everyone reacting to me showing up out of nowhere, uh, thinking I was crashing the 100th episode, but actually showing up on episode 99 and saying, well, I drove all the way down here for nothing and turning around to go back to Richmond and <laughs> laughing at that. And then we realized I had broken the podcast. So- um you're welcome i guess it's fine yeah no it's 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 fine this is like a 99 cent store podcast like you can always get another one if this one breaks (laughs) it's very replaceable (laughs) anyway so dune dune Dune. all right so what were you talking about dune house of trades with all right with isaac uh, I'll, ah, let I'll me explain it. it. I do it better. It. I'm sorry. I should yeah. not okay. yell things like that. Did you? Um, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you got you got Daddy Oscar Isaac, and you got the Space Emperor, and the Space Emperor is like, I got to get rid of this Dilf. Too many people <laughs> like the Dilf, and not enough people like me. And it's like, well, you could just be as hot as Oscar Isaac, and they're like. No, I'm going to go send him to a thinly veiled metaphor for a rack. We forgot to, what, we forgot we to cast the emperor for this like part. Yet. So we don't know if he's yeah. going to be as hot as Oscar Isaac. Yet. He could very well be a deal. For no one's as hot as Oscar Isaac. It's, it, that's probably true. <laughs> I don't know. Except for maybe Pedro game. Pascal. Oh shit. What if Pedro <laughs> Pascal is oh, the man. emperor? <laughs> he's too nice to be the emperor. I don't like, know. He's he just... was kind of a slimy bastard in Wonder Woman 1984. I guess. I guess. I, don't I mean, know. that is what he like plays best is slimy bastard. I In what? Nick in Nick's mind, he's just the Mandalorian. No, he's been a few other things. But it like he's also he's always just wholesome guy. I don't well, know, no, except that's for that the one. Actor, not the roles he plays necessarily. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, no, no, no. Between his Game of Thrones character, um, his no, that uh, that character is great. <laughs> character in Kingsman. I've never seen Kingsman. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> don't worry, he's in the he's in the Kingsman sequel. <laughs> oh God! Oh Pedro, why are you picking the worst roles? <laughs> you are the Mandalorian. The you could do anything. Yeah, but he wasn't before. God. Pedro Pascal. Anyway. So, so Oscar Isaac's off being, being both a figurative sex daddy and a literal daddy to Timothy Chalamet. Um, and he's like, all right, kid, we got to go pack up and go to Iraq. Uh, which is a thinly veiled metaphor for their, for American imperialism in the Middle East. And they're going to go uh, harvest a thinly veiled metaphor for oil. Um, and this is also Emperor Pedro Pascal. I'm making it happen. <laughs> uh, can get rid of Oscar Isaac through weird space espionage and assassins. So, and House Arconan is the people that previously owned or ran Arrakis. Yes. 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 And they're uh, they're, they're there too, and they're, they're, they're not as high. They're ruled by someone who floats. Why does he? I, he doesn't float. Why does he float in all of the adaptations? He doesn't float. It's because it. they saw the Lynch version. They're like, That's, oh, we need a guy that floats. I guess. It's I not just, doing if there's not some guy floating. People stopped reading the books, actually, when they started adapting these. Okay, okay, look. And so people like, reading the books again. Because like, so here's the thing. people at work who are reading Dune. It's a good book. Here's the thing. So he has, so, so uh, Baron Harkonnen in the book Wear suspensor belts. Those are the things that like kind of like are used to like lift up heavy objects. But the idea is he doesn't use it to fly around. He uses it because he is physically too heavy to be able to walk under his own power. And so it's just able for him to be able to walk. Yeah, the floating makes it less fat phobic. Eh, I suppose. All right. It's like, I can get behind, like, a weird floaty dude. The yeah. idea that it's like, this guy is so fat. And it's like, shut the fuck up, whoever wrote Dune. I'm not <laughs> bothering to remember your name right now. All right, moving on <laughs> to Daddy Oscar Isaac. So Daddy Oscar Isaac moves his family. Just Timothy Chalamet and some woman who I don't know plays Jessica. Because why does she have a real name? Um, oh, like, Paul's Paul not a real name? name? Paul Lito? and Jessica. It is weird. Like, Vladimir? <laughs> I'm just saying, like... It bothers me when people have like it's like a pet, it's like a pet that has a person name. You know, what I, I would mean? name a pet Jonathan. Okay, yeah. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Who names a pet Jonathan? This is my dog Megan. Like it's like that. Okay, where <laughs> people are like, this is my, this is my Benny Gesserit space witch who I named Tiffany. Like that's, I don't think that's what it is. Her. Okay, yeah, it's just I like, definitely don't think he picked the name. <laughs> it's like. Although anyway. that is a very funny concept. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's Re Rebecca Ferguson is playing. Rebecca plays, Ferguson, okay. Who was so in The Greatest Showman, apparently. Wow, what a terrible movie. Her and Zendaya were both in it. That's Zendaya was in that too? I'm, I'm pretty sure she was in that. Yeah. Because uh, she keeps getting paired opposite, because she got paired opposite um, Zac Efron. Yep. Do, okay, so here's what I need to know. All right, like, this is what? this is a complete tangent. Um, somebody <laughs> is this stop podcast me. not a complete tangent? That's yeah. fair enough. Okay, Zendaya. Okay, exclusively gets cast 
as the romantic interest opposite like tuberculosis white dudes with brown hair. <laughs> okay. Like I... Timothy Chalamet, uh, what's his fuck who plays Peter Parker? Spider-Man. Uh, Tom Holland, Zac Efron. Like, I mean, I guess Zac Efron has some muscle, but like, seriously, like what the hell is it? That they're just like, all right, we need, like, do they cast her first? And then they're like, here's your, here, all oh, right, Zendaya, here's your binder full of generic looking white dudes. Which one do you want to play opposite? <laughs> and she's like, I think I'll go with Timothy today for this one. And it's like, okay, Zendaya, like, here you go. Like, how does this work? I think that's probably it. That's probably it. Just like, here's your binder full of white men. I don't know. I've actually, I don't think I've actually ever seen a film with Zendaya in it. Oh, really? You didn't see any of the Spider-Mans? No, no, I saw Into the Spider-Verse, but not any of the Spider-Man movies. That's actually the superior Spider-Man. Yeah, that's fine. As as I figured, but... Anyway, that's my my tangent about Zendaya. No, No, okay. (laughs) She has, like, one character that she plays super well, but, I mean... It would be nice, like, because she seems to have some, like, acting chops. Like, it would be nice to see her in other things. Um, instead of just being like, all right, be the love interest for the mediocre mm. dude. Yeah, she is at all of like 15 minutes of this two and a half hour long yeah. movie. They they space her in with all of these like um flash forwards to fu- possible futures. Like she's there, but like not really. It's just like yeah. her yeah. image in But it's in- like if you understand the book, then it makes sense, right? Because yeah. it's like I feel like that's kind of the the synopsis for this movie. <laughs> Where it's like, if you know the source material, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Are so, we going to explain any of it in the movie itself? No. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So. Um. Okay, so. Are we continuing with our synopsis, or are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, all right, the assassins, uh, who are house, whatever. Uh, capture Daddy Oscar Isaac, uh, Timothy Chalamet, what's her name, uh, fuck off into the dunes of Dune in a dune buggy. Um, it's an ornithopter. Shut up. It's not a Nobody dune cares. buggy. Cool, All right. It was, it was a cool ass, like, dragonfly helicopter. Yeah. All right, fine. It was a dune buggy. Dune All right. Dune. So they fuck off in the dune buggy. They meet up with, like, a tribal people uh, who kind of take them in. And then it ends exactly like Lord of the Rings where they're just like walking off into the sequel. The end. That's it. That was your synopsis of Dune. (laughs) That's all I can explain. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of themes about water and imperialism and religion, religious fanaticism and the white man and ecology, ecology, man. It has a lot to say. I don't know if it says any of it super well, and like all of it is said against these like backdrops, um, which are really beautiful. It is worth like watching in IMAX, but it's also kind of to the detriment. I'm gonna say something that is controversial, no. and then I'll shut the fuck up. I promise. Okay, <laughs> I kind of agree with the AV Club's review of Dune, which is to say that Villeneuve the the director. The director was so focused on this idea of like you have to see it in theater that the spectacle kind of undermines the plot mm-hmm. of the movie and the plot of the 
themes of the movie. I, like I, I think that, that I think the spectacle actually like cuts a lot of things short and time that they use just sort of like gratuitously going over landscapes could have been better used to explain what the fuck was going on. All right. I'm going to shut the fuck up. You guys talk like y'all talk. (laughs) All right. So I I'm going to, I'm going to partially agree with that. I think the great weakness of this movie. um, And I liked it. I will, I will preface everything. I am, I am a, I'm a big Dune fan. I have been since I first saw the David Lynch adaptation when I was like eight or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which explains a lot about how I developed. Uh, <laughs> um, but it is it is one of my favorite fictional universes. I am so fucking thrilled that there's finally a movie that people are watching that like people are talking about it. Like I've heard my students mention it. Like it, it it makes me so happy because like for decades now I have been talking about Dune and no one has known what the fuck I was talking about. You've been the Dune guy. I'm really glad. I'm really (laughs) glad that it's finally becoming a thing. Um, And I think that the Villeneuve is the great, is is the great choice to direct it. I think that he does a really good job with it. I think that this movie needed to be an hour longer. Um, okay, I Oh, I see what's happening here. Kept... We're playing two truths and a lie. <laughs> it was too short. It was way too short. Or it needed to be it was either needed to be that or it needed to be three parts instead of two. So um, I was wondering if it was going to be three parts. It's going to be two. Well, he's talking about we know at least as a two. Where it the the movie the, the Dune movie is going to be in two parts. Okay. So the, the, so the first book is going to be in two parts. And he's also talking about doing an adaptation of Dune Messiah. Whether or not that's going to be made remains to be seen, uh, which is the second book in the series. Right. Um, it should have been three parts for just Dune, or the first part should have been a three and a half hour long movie. Because this movie suffers from going way too fast and then way too slow. And I... yet, and yet, the pacing I would argue is way better than any than than the, the David Lynch version, of course. I would disagree with you. I, I think would the, not I think the, agree with you. <laughs> the pacing. I think the pacing for the David Lynch version is great. Up until it, it's the reverse problem. Actually, if you stitched the first half of the David Lynch adaptation onto the second half of this movie, I think it would probably be the best Dune adaptation. (laughs) I think, I think because the palace intrigue is all gone. Like there's nothing about the politics of what's happening. It's just, Oh, how Sarkonin's mad at us. Oh, now we're all dead, I guess. No, <laughs> like I don't know what movie you watched, but I, and from what I saw, that was stuff was better explained in this movie than it was in the Lynch movie. Uh, no, because they cut out they cut out the entire idea that there's a traitor. Like, no, they don't. 
Yes, they do. <laughs> because, like, fucking uh, Dr. Like, Yui comes in and it's like, it was me. I was the traitor. And, like, the traitor had no, not been established. about how, like, no, someone must be here. There must be someone who's giving, you know, information. Like, like no, they talk about that. I don't know if you were in the bathroom or something. At that no, point. I wasn't. I was in the theater the entire time watching it. I don't remember them establishing the idea of looking for a traitor. Maybe there was a line dropped here or there. But it's like, it's an entire subplot. That's just kind of dropped. And then like Dr. Yui's in two scenes and it's like, it was me. And it's like, who are you? <laughs> Guy who had six lines, not you. <laughs> like, Apparently there is a cut scene where it's like him and Lady Jessica, like walking in the Atreides palace and like him explaining the, like the plight of his family and being like, yeah. Oh yes. The Harkonnens have my wife, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Which is in the David Lynch adaptation. <laughs> that actually would have helped explain yeah. a lot of things if they had kept that deleted scene in. Yeah. And there's also, like, my my boy Thufer gets thrown under the bus, too. Like... Who the fuck? Yeah, the, the Mentat. The Mentat. He's in, like, two scenes. The guy with the eyes. Yeah. He's... Oh, my God. Is he like, he's, he, like, the one person that has a space name, and it's a stupid space name. <laughs> he's... he's Here's mis- Paul, Jessica, and... I'm like, all right, yeah, this makes Super. sense. You're so great Super. at naming people. All right, continue. What, who, who's the other one? Um, Gurney. The one that's not played by Patrick Stewart. There's one, one called fucking Duncan Idaho. Yeah. I'm sorry. The space names in this movie and this okay, book Okay, well, Arrakis runs on Duncan Idaho, trash. first of all. I'm sorry, Janet. What did you say? I yelled at you. I said you. Arrakis runs on Duncan Idaho. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! In, in the fourth book, that's pretty much literally true. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, is that the one with the worm and then yeah. it does the thing? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. The Dune book with the worm. That really narrows it down. <laughs> no, there's only this one. Is the worm that does the thing, Janet! In the fourth book, there's only the one. And it's important that there's only the one. See, I know what I'm talking about, maybe. Oh, oh, so it's like the series, it's like the Tremors series, where there's the one Tremor <laughs> and it's albino and Okay. <laughs> we can we can talk about the Dune series and how like batshit off the rails that series oh goes God. after the second book. This is terrible. This is a terrible podcast. At least as well as I can remember it. Alright, All right, but, but back Let's to no. go back. Alright, so so what I'm talk- was talking about with, like, Thufur, like, Thufur doesn't do... I'm sorry, are you saying Thufur or Thufur? Thufur. It's T-H-T-H-U-F-I-R. Thufur Hawa. You're gonna be okay there, Elise? No. Elise, you like Lord of the Rings. They all have normal names in Lord of the Rings. Do they? You shut your horn his name is Tree Bird because he's a tree with a beard. That makes sense. Who the fuck is Thufur? Normal guy name, Fatty Bulger. Anyway. Oh goodness. Um. Anyway. So, so in in the book, it's like, oh, he's been this like there's like a whole bunch of stuff that just kind of gets cut out where it's like, Oh, he's this great, like tactical mind, but he's getting a little bit older. Like maybe he's missing some things. Maybe I can't really trust him anymore. And then 
he's like, oh, I need to figure out who the traitor is. And he starts suspecting Jessica and like Jessica's suspecting him. And there's like this whole like interest, like there's all this interesting stuff that happens that should be in the first hour of the movie. And it's just not there. And it feels, and so like when they got to the part where the Harkonnens and the Sardaukar attack House Atreides, I'm like, oh, we're here already? Like, like, is this almost the end of the movie? No, we're like an hour away from the end. God, like, it was like after that, I literally like Oscar Isaac died, and I just kept looking at my watch because <laughs> oh, I was like, when is this going to be over? And I'm like, there's another fucking hour. There's another action set piece. Like, what the fuck is this? Anyway, and it's like it's really weird because the relationships that I feel like really matter to the rest of the story aren't really developed in that first half. Like the one between Paul and Jessica kind of is the one between Paul and his father is, but then like the Much one between Paul and Gertie in the Lynch movie. Huh? I would say that, that Leto's role in Leto's character is more developed than in the Lynch. movie. I'd agree with that. I, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think that that Oscar Isaac's portrayal of Duke Leto is the best film adaptation of that character because every other adaptation makes him like this flawless, like heroic character, which he kind of is supposed to be in the book. But like the whole idea is that like, no, that that is a manicured persona of like, this is what the people should see of me. But then like you get him behind closed doors and he's tired and he's scared and he like has to do things that he doesn't want to do because he's a decent guy, but he's a decent guy in a position of power. And like one of the big themes of Dune is having power makes you kind of a shitty person. <laughs> like it doesn't matter that Duke Leto is a good guy by nature. He's still an asshole because he has power. He, he has say, to like, do things I... he doesn't want to do, like arrive on Arrakis listening to bagpipes. <laughs> oh, That's like the bag... best part. Of... All right. And we're back and we have had a lot of technical issues tonight, more so than normal. Yeah, The night of a thousand and one technical issues. And we I normally have technical issues. Don't blame Janet. Blame Alex. I blame Alex. <laughs> you should blame Alex. My fault. Everyone's all, it's always Alex's fault. No. <laughs> no, it's usually my fault. That's why I'm relishing in the fact that tonight it's not. <laughs> but it's never been my fault. That's the important thing, because I contribute nothing to this podcast. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Janet. Um, as, a, as a statistically significant portion of this podcast audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgot what we were talking about before we got I don't know. We were talking about Dune. We talking, about Dune. Dune. talking about Dune. Talking about how Dune. Um, to... Oh, no. The, the bagpipes. The bagpipes. bagpipes are the best, fucking, <laughs> the best fucking part of the movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, I as soon as the bagpipes started playing, I just started laughing my ass off. Yeah, at... she was the only one laughing in the theater, but she was going full out. Just could not stop. The bagpipes. I'm sorry, where did you see Dune? The theater. 
That's not what you said. <laughs> is this one of those Stewie Griffin? Uh, I'm sorry. How do you pronounce that thing? <laughs> it is. It is because she says theater. Do, do you not? Like she's Blanche Dubois in the fucking like Tennessee Williams play. I'm sorry. Do you not go to the theater? No, I go to the theater. I majored in theater. <laughs> okay. Theater. Yeah. You majored in theater, which is performed at the theater. No. What? No. <laughs> oh my God. Stop. No. There. It's theater. This is, this is, at least this is exactly as bad as the time that you told me that the art of theater was spelled R-E and the location was spelled E-R. No, no, no. That's normal. Okay. <laughs> R-E is the art. E-R is the place, but they're both oh, pronounced oh. the same. Theater. <laughs> That's not how you pronounce it. No, no, no. You, Missy, no. with your theater, it's... we're not letting that shit go. <laughs> no, no. It's, when it's spelled with an R-E, it's pronounced theater. <laughs> I pronounce milk wrong, okay? All right, now we're all making fun of me. Move on. Let's move on. So the bagpipes. The bagpipes made Janet laugh. Bagpipes are fucking great. Ah, I love them. Um, Easily the highlight of the film. I thought it was going to, like, burst an eardrum because we're watching it in the fucking IMAX. Oh, yeah. No, it was absolutely worth paying the extra money to go see it in IMAX. It was like... Like, your seats start to vibrate, and you're just like, ugh. Like the ornithopters flying everywhere was like, oh yeah, that's 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 the stuff. That's what I paid fifty dollars for two tickets for. <laughs> God, is that how much we paid? Yeah. Oh my god. We spent like a hundred dollars to go Shut see the Dune. Fuck up. No, we did not. <laughs> After like snacks oh my and god. stuff. Yeah, we did. This is this is like a level this is a level of wealth that I never thought that I would attain. <laughs> Is like realizing look, that I spent a hundred dollars to go see a movie. Look, I'm just saying it was like half the price that we paid to go see Hades Town, and it was equally just as good. Get out. <laughs> we saw Hades Town at the Kennedy Center in Atlanta. Yeah, and we yeah, saw and we went to the theater and saw Dune. <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> by 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 acclaimed director Dennis Villeneuve. I just like I I just, I'm still stuck on the idea that, like, I blinked $100 out of existence and, like, it didn't even. I mean, half of that was on snacks, in fairness. <laughs> Which is, that's always expensive at the movies. That's true. That it, wasn't, it wasn't quite $100. I, that, was, that was an exaggeration. But, yeah, um, one, of the, one of the nice things about the past decade is uh, seeing movies, ex- for me, was uh, seeing movies extremely cheap uh, and, like, paying like two dollars for a large popcorn every time i went to the theater and stuff mm-hmm. that's a that's a richmond treat though yeah well it's I, also a i was a manager at the theater oh well then that would do it that, yeah that's fair enough um yeah uh dune um yeah so <laughs> i i don't know i i felt there was a lot of stuff that I was expecting in this adaptation that was cut out that I really felt its absence, I guess is, is what I'm, I'm saying. And the book was better. No, I mean, all right. So we watched it before, before the movie came out last year, I made, and I think we talked about it on the podcast. I made Elise sit through the just awful, uh, sci-fi miniseries from 2000 
Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Because yeah, um, they make a Dune annotation every 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Or roughly. Um, so, oh, God, it's early 2000s CGI. Oh, God, it is It is trash. Like, the casting is, like, the worst thing. The acting they is, like... like... 40-year-old playing Paul who's just, like, gee willikers, yeah. Daddy Leto. And it's, like, oh, God. <laughs> they got... It's um, so bad. And it's like, dude, you're balding. The like, only you need to not be polytrained. The only, the oh, only so like a, name, the only big name in that adaptation is like William Hurt is Duke Leto, and that's like the worst. No, and they had to get him because his son is like, you know, over the hill. No. So they had to make him look young by comparison. And it's like, all right, let's get the guy that was born an old man, William Hurt. <laughs> So it's like Dear Evan Hansen level. I'm sorry, what? It's like Dear Evan Hansen level. This oh yeah, no, 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 it's, 100%. It's not, 100%. I, I wouldn't say it's quite to that level because I don't. Well, because it's not like the same passion project yeah. of like, I'm daddy's little boy who's going to get his own movie adaptation. Right. And it's also like, I mean, it's just like generic, like 90s slash 2000s TV handsome man playing teenager. Like, you know how, like, everybody in Dawson's Creek looked like they were 35, but they were supposed to be, like, 14? It was, like, that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, And it's, like, as terrible as that adaptation is on almost every level, it does the story, like, it it paces the story out well. Because, like, it is a two-hour, like, every episode is two hours long. There are three episodes. Um, and the first episode goes up to when they crash the ornithopter into the sandstorm and it's two hours. <laughs> um, and that's honestly, like, I was kind of expecting something like that, uh, with maybe a few things cut out in the beginning, but I felt like, again, when it got to the fall of house of trades, I like checked my watch. Cause I'm like, Oh, this this like two hour, two and a half hour movie like flew by. And then I'm like, oh shit, we got like an hour left to go. Yeah. Like it, it is, it's so weird to me that like the biggest and most impressive like scene in the movie is that that scene and then uh, Duncan's death. And neither of those things are the end of the movie. Um. When they could have easily been, they could have easily like cut the movie up to be that. It's weird that they didn't. Yeah. Like, it's really weird that they weren't like, you know, because like Lord of the Rings had like three. Then we had, is it because we had that series of like YA novels that all got split where their like last movie got split into like two parts. Mm -hmm. And like, we had to have like five twilight films and so now they're like no you're only gonna get two dune films yeah that that might that was something i was thinking of too but i don't necessarily think that was why Mm -hmm. um i think what it was is they spent all the money to get uh what's her name shauna uh zendaya 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 and (laughs) like we gotta actually have her in this film like we gotta actually get to the part where she's physically there and not just like a dream like yeah. that's that's what my thinking was as to why they got right. what they did. Um But like I mean, there's so many there's so many stars. Uh there's so many stars in um Well yeah, it's in space. In, 
Shut the fuck up. That was, you know what I meant. There, there were so many celebrities there. I'll say that. There were so many celebrities in, you know, in the June film. Cause it's like, you have Timothy Chalamet, you have Oscar Isaac, you have Jason Momoa. Like Zendaya is not at the top of the, like, I guess I, I get what you're saying. Cause they did put her on like she the girl looks good on a poster. Mm-hmm. So like I guess I guess maybe maybe that was the deal. Like maybe if they had gotten like, I don't know, Emily Blunt or somebody um to have played Jessica, like somebody with like a little bit more star power than Rebecca Ferguson, like maybe they would have felt less pressure to be like, okay, we gotta get to the part with Zendaya. Um where she's like actually in the film. Yeah. The, the one that I felt, uh, again, like the, the, a lot of the members of House Atreides didn't really get a lot of development. Like Gurney was very underdeveloped, I thought. And it's like, you got Josh Brolin to play Gurney. Like, that's great casting. He was and so then, underdeveloped, like, I didn't know his name. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He's in like two scenes. Um, yeah, and it's like you have work? these other celebrities who have been in Hollywood longer yeah, they should have cast Patrick Stewart in that role. Um, they should have just brought back Patrick Stewart. Oh, a friend of mine at work was saying that they should have had him do a solo on the uh, on a harp or on whatever. the ballast set. Yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. They, they, I will say the the development that they gave their characters was good and very quick and not over explained. Um, so I don't know if anyone else kind of got, um got like picked up on stuff. Uh, but like, since I know these characters from the book, it's like, Oh, well that's a nice way of explaining that. So l- let me see what else anyone else got. All right. Um, Cause it sounds Janet, it sounds like you, is this your first exposure to, to Dune Janet, or have you seen the other adaptations? Uh, this is my first direct exposure. I have cultural osmosis exposure, okay. but no actual direct exposure. Okay. Alex, you've seen the David Lynch adaptation, but how yeah. well do you remember it? Um, fairly well, but there are things that I do not remember from it that I thought that this movie did better of making it memorable. I, okay. I mentioned in the last episode, like for example, the the judge of the change. Mm. Um, oh like a, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you you'd forgot that. Um, yeah, that I forgot that was he, that was another one that I want to talk about, but I'll bring that up next. Okay, so so I remembered I remembered that I remembered you know Gurney of course. Um, yeah. Okay. One, like you said. So let let me ask let me ask this: How well did everybody else pick up on the idea that Gurney is a little bit of a religious fanatic or like a religious like very religious person? In yeah, other adaptions, that. no. Okay, because I thought because it was there, and I thought it was very subtle and like interesting. The way that they did it was really interesting. There's a part where they land on when they first land on Arrakis, and he's got a little book in his hand. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention that, he's and reading. he's like reading a, a passage to himself, and then he says a quote from it out loud. And I'm like, that's a really good way of bringing that in because in the book. Gurney is always quoting from uh, the the religious text for the the major uh, religious order uh, in the Imperium, which is the the uh, the Orange Catholic Bible. Um, and so he 
is like very devout. He's very devout. Um, and I thought that, that was a nice little touch. Like they put that in there, but they don't really develop it at all. Yeah. Now um, that you mentioned the book, I remember that scene, but yeah, would not have remembered it otherwise. Mm. Um, and I think he actually gives a copy of it to Paul in the book. Uh, but it's not really mentioned in, in the movie in any no. film adaptation that I can think of. Um, I'm trying to think of like, Oh, I remember. So Liet, uh, slash kinds. This was another subplot that was like, is really, really interesting in the book mm-hmm. and is again, pretty well done in the TV miniseries. If you take away like how terrible the special effects are, how like uneven the acting is like how goofy the costumes look, take away all that stuff. And the miniseries does this really well. Um, So it bothered me in the movie that when Dr. Kynes first appeared, she introduces herself as Liette Kynes. And that's kind of what everyone calls her. Because she's not Liette Kynes. She's Dr. Kynes. And she's Liette. And the reason why that's important is that the, the Atreides, through their like network, like their intelligence network, keeps hearing that the Fremen are talking about this person named Liette. And they're like, is Liet like their leader? Who's this Liet? Why do they keep mentioning this person? Is it a religious figure? Is it a political figure? Like, is it one person or is it like a title? We don't know. So there's this whole mystery around who the fuck is Liet? How can we get in, t- in touch with them? Because we want to make that alliance with the Fremen. And Liet seems to be their leader. And then you find out at the like right before Dr. Kynes is killed off that Dr. Kynes is, has, or no, it might be, it was even after, I think it's afterwards. You find out that Dr. Kynes was also Liet that, that secretly Dr. Kynes had gone over to the Fremen. And even though was the Imper- they, they were the Imperial ecologist, they were also like a major, like political player in Fremen society, like pushing to like terraform Dune. Um, and that that's like Liet's dream. And when we'll make uh, Arrakis a paradise, just like Liet was, had taught us to do. And so the fact that they just kind of brushed that off was also another thing that was just like, this should be an interesting reveal and it's just not, which kind of sucks because it's also like the best that that character has ever been portrayed in a movie, like in an adaptation of this book. Um, like I thought that the the actress they got to play Kynes was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I, I felt more for that character in this adaptation than I did in any other one. So the fact that they took away like, the best part of the story that involves her is was kind of crappy. Like I didn't really, I didn't really like that. Do right. we lose Alex again? No, oh. I'm still here. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess the fact that I, I remember this character at all is a, is an upgrade from what I'm used to with Dune. And no, and that's what, that's what I'm saying is it is, it is a big step up. Mm-hmm. But it also it kind of sucks that we get that of that mysterious aspect of the character taken away. Sure, sure. But like I said, like if I've not read the book, I don't know what I'm missing. Right, and, that, and I think that's kind of where I'm coming at it from. Like, 
I guess what makes it so weird to me is that there's a lot of stuff that you need to have read the book or have seen another adaptation to kind of get what's going on in here. Maybe. I don't know. What did you think, Janet? You haven't seen anything or read anything. Did you get what was going on? I had a passable surface level understanding of the occurrences I was witnessing. I couldn't tell you really much anything about what was not depicted or what wasn't shown. I don't know. I I just, we spent a lot of time that night uh, with Elise asking me questions. (laughs) Yes. About like, okay, so, and 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 actually that was not the only other, only person because I have another friend who posted something about like, all right, I've got questions about Dune and I know I have friends on here who like it. So if you don't mind and like me asking you questions about it, I'd like to send like DMs asking stuff. And so I volunteered and I talked to this other friend for like hours explaining stuff that would had happened in the movie. <laughs> um, And I think, I don't know, I, I guess ultimately that's kind of what it comes down to is Dune requires explanation it requires a glossary and like prologue and uh, there's so much of the shit that happens in that book is like inner dialogue like inner monologues of the characters being like oh this is happening and i don't really like it but i gotta do this thing yeah, I'd I rather think, do this other thing. What yeah, do I do? I think the um, I think the thing about how um, they didn't do the Lynch. We're gonna have the characters voice over their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I did I appreciated that that wasn't what they did. Yeah, no, I that appreciated weird, that as well. As much as I love weird thing, David Lynch. I know you're a weird guy, but yeah. Like... <laughs> as much as I love that adaptation, that is one of the weaker aspects of it. Yeah. So what would you have thought if this movie had done like a three minute or so like Star Wars style, like opening crawl? Well, that's of what, like background. That's what Lynch did. Mm. But yeah. Lynch had a person say that. Yeah. It was, it was said by the princess that didn't appear in this film. Yeah. Ah, lady not appearing in this film. Yes. Ah, yeah. There's a lot of sir not appearing in this film, in this, in, in this adaptation. Like there's a lot of really important characters who they're like saving the for the sequel. Yeah. Um, the Emperor I, Pedro Pascal. Yes, Emperor Pedro Pascal. Um, I don't know if that's going to cut bit or if that's still something that that y'all listeners actually know what we're referencing. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm pretty sure we lost that part. <laughs> no. Okay, so just real quick, so that way my bit makes sense. Uh, I'm gunning for Pedro Pascal to be the Emperor in the in the Dune sequel because uh, he's the only one that could out Dilf uh oscar isaac <laughs> they're going to um they're going to grand moff tarkin uh salvador dali in in <laughs> honor of the yordorowski adaptation that did never got made oh goodness <laughs> are you familiar with this alex uh kind of not really do we All have right. time to talk about it <laughs> what? Probably not. We, we have nothing but time to talk about this <laughs> um so 
So the first adaptation, well, I don't know. There was a Dune adaptation in the works going all the way back to like, like 1960 something, I think like Mm -hmm. short, like maybe 68. It was shortly after the movie came or the book came out. They were going to make an adaptation of the, of the movie into film. And it got kicked around for a while. And eventually it landed in the hands of uh, one uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, who was a uh, like a experimental film director uh, who had made such like kind of art house masterpieces as the Holy Mountain and El Topo, which are very strange movies if you've never seen them. Uh, definitely worth a watch if you're interested in like the history of cinema and especially like art house. If if I'd known that we were going to be, that that was going to come up tonight, I would have done the homework and uh, made Alex watch the documentary about, about Jodorowsky's Dune. Yes. That documentary is really good. Um, and and that's kind of where a lot of this comes from. Cause I, I own that one. Uh, cause he was going to make, having never read the book, but basically having had the book explained to him by someone who was like, you should make a movie of this book. He came up with this idea for like this 12 hour long epic, uh, that would have starred Mick Jagger as fade, uh, uh, had music by Pink Floyd. I think, uh, who was it? Orson Welles was going to play Baron Harkonnen. Uh, and Salvador Dali agreed to pay, uh, to agreed to play the emperor. But I think like, I can't remember what his asking price for a salary was, but if the movie had been made, he would have been like the highest paid actor per second of film ever, like in oh, history God. up till now. Oh goodness uh so i feel Good like for him <laughs> so you think they're gonna they're gonna bring salvador dali back from the dead to be the padishah emperor Shaddam yeah fourth okay. yeah just like they did no. in uh no, i don't think that's what they need to do i think they need to do that but with saddam hussein saddam hussein <laughs> uh no but it's just like just like what they did with grand moff tarkin in rogue yeah. one nah. um it's, it's actually Xerxes. They like bring they bring the Padishah, the actual emperor Xerxes <laughs> back from the dead. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, god. Anyway. So Dune. I thought it was a good movie. It was a very good movie. I thought it was better at conveying this plot than the Dune movie, the 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 Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. Um I liked, I, I, it seemed like in, okay, so this was a thought I was thinking of earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole plot of who the Sadukar are. Yeah. Is more, is better explained in this movie. than Oh, I love the, the Lynch movie. I loved that. We actually saw Seleucus Secundus. Like that was another one of my, the things about this movie that I absolutely adored. Yeah. Where where all of all of the emperor's soldiers stand in the rain all day and throat sing. Okay, so it, it's still not super duper well explained because the the no one really knows why the Sadrkar are so tough in the Dune universe. But like the um, the idea is that there are prisoners 
And that like Seleucus Secundus is just such a harsh prison planet that if you survive there, you pretty much become like the toughest motherfuckers in the galaxy. Um, so the fact that they kind of show what it's like, I thought was a really nice touch. Uh-huh. Um, another thing that I was expecting to see in this movie, like there was, uh, there were rumors in the uh, Dune fan groups that I'm in on, on Facebook. Uh, Cause they were showing like some of the Jason Momoa fight scenes in like the trailers and stuff. And they're like, well, he only really, we only really see him fight like once or twice in the book, but there's a part in the book that's never been adapted and you don't really see it happen in the book. Like it's sort of hinted at, but basically after the Atreides take over um, spice production, Obviously, the whole idea with the Atreides taking over the planet is to kind of put them in a bad position to be, like, ambushed. But before that happens, they also kind of get a little humiliated because, like, the Harkonnens, as the movie kind of talks about, the Harkonnens uh, uh, destroy a lot of their uh, spice harvesting equipment before they leave planet. So they can't really harvest as much. Um, But since the emperor and the Harkonnens have worked together to kind of set all this up. They have been stockpiling spice in preparation for this so that they can sell off their private reserves and like make shitloads of money in the meanwhile. Right. Okay. So there's a part in the book where they're like, yeah, the Harkonnens are like selling off their private spice reserves And so the Duke's like, well, let's go send some people to destroy their private spice reserves. And so Duncan Idaho and like a bunch of other Atreides soldiers, like like a bunch of like black ops soldiers for House Atreides basically get sent to the place where they think that the Harkonnens are keeping their stockpiles and just like murder shitloads of people and blow this place up. And it's like, oh, are we going to see this raid? Like, that would be kind of cool. And I was really hoping to see that. Um, and it just doesn't doesn't really happen. Like, and and uh, Jason Momoa is great casting for that. Um, and it really sucks that, like, we get to see him do, like, one really cool thing. I mean, I guess it's thematically appropriate. But we see him do like that one really awesome fight scene, and then he that's has like two. He has two. That's true. Hmm. He has the uh, one during the invasion, and he has the one afterwards when they're at the um, the 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 research facility place. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then we won't see him again unless they make uh, an adaptation of the fourth book. Then we'll keep seeing him over and over and over. <laughs> nothing but jason momoa all jason momoa i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of jason momoa in in that fourth book if they do if they do an adaptation of it curious (laughs) do we want to talk about how crazy off the walls like dune gets after the second book no (laughs) (laughs) oh but it's so fun i don't know about you but we did other stuff than watch Dune. In fact, we didn't even watch Dune in the past two weeks. No, that's fair. That was more than that ago. <laughs> I, that was pretty much all that I had to say, but I had a lot to say about it. 
Um, but we did go and do something, Janet and I. Mm-hmm. We went to NECOCON. Oh, Yay! yeah, that's right. We saw the pictures. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something else. No. Um, yeah, so, so NECOCON. First convention I've been to since MarsCon 2020. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and this was, what, the first con that you'd been to since what? Let's just say it's the first con I've been to since before Barack Obama was president. Nah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to date myself by explaining like where that is in terms of my life, but that's when it was. Oh yeah, so back when I was in like middle school. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> See, now you've done it because now there are 3 people here to tell you off when you point out how young you are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and, um, I didn't like, I think the panels weren't as good this year as they were in previous years. Mm. But, um, but it was still a lot of fun and I enjoyed being able to cosplay because this is like the second time total I've cosplayed and the first time I've cosplayed since transitioning. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was kind of fascinating because there were a number of panels we went to, like the ones that weren't being held by like actual anime professionals were like people being like, yeah, this is my first panel. So uh, they gave me an hour of time. I have 20 minutes of content <laughs> have some questions. Um, and then there was the one panel we went to where the person giving the panel, I think Alex actually explained this by saying like, someone else was supposed to be doing the panel with her, but was sick. Um, uh. But she was just like, it was somebody doing, it wasn't the first time this had happened this weekend, which is what struck me about it. But it was um, people get doing panels at anime conventions who do not how, know how to pronounce Japanese. Mm. Um, so she was talking about, she was talking about environmentalism in Miyazaki films. Mm hmm. But she ended up talking about like Shintoism a little bit, and she ended up mispronouncing uh, Kami as Kami. Mm. Oh. So every time she opened up her mouth and said the word Kami, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> Janet just like had Talk a full body cringe. What she's talking <laughs> about the Street Fighter character? Yeah, I was thinking she's talking about like the the article of clothing. Mm. But the weirdest thing is, like, she mentioned something that included the name of, that included Kami as part of the name of it, and she absolutely nailed it on that one, and then went right back to saying Kami, like, two seconds later. Are you gonna mess up now and just refer to the the Japanese gods as Kamis now? No. Why no. would I do that? <laughs> do, do, you, do I take you as someone who does, like, over-the-top bits just to drive people in? No, but you take me as someone who does bits. <laughs> you love a good bit, don't you, Elise? Elise does. That. I do love a good bit. I do. <laughs> that is true. Um. Oh, hey, we did do another thing. Oh, we did do other things besides. I'm sorry. Did you have anything more you wanted to say about NekoCon? Um. Um. Did we? I. So. I'm going to say something. Okay. It might be kind of controversial. 
Uh-oh. <gasps> I know, right? You're never so, controversial. I know, right? Well, okay, so, like, with the advent... With, like, the proliferation of YouTube video essays. Because, like, I feel like I have sat through a video essay of Miyazaki and environmentalism, right? Like, I'm sure of this one, yeah. So, like, kind of before before the proliferation of, of YouTube video essays about, like, nerd topics and, and relating it to scholarly ideals... You know, anime conventions was the only time that you could kind of get this sort of lecture. Um, And so, but now it's like, it's pretty mainstream academics. You also like, it's easy to like get on YouTube. And if I'm sure if you were to like YouTube search, um, you know, Miyazaki and environmentalism, you'd get like 20 different video essays, right? So like, what's the point? Like, I feel like, I feel like if we're going to do a panel, I feel like educational panels are not the way to go anymore. Like, I think, I think you, like, unless you are genuinely an expert, right? Like, unless, like, you know, you have some sort of insider knowledge, either as, like, a professional scholar or, and, you know, you work in the industry, um, I think it needs to be more either discussion-based like you are leading you kind of set parameters and you're leading like a group discussion or like a seminar style or like it's got to be like infotainment does that make sense a little bit yes but i do enjoy panels when it's done by someone who knows what they're talking about no and it's like i don't want to get rid of like i don't want to get rid of all panels you Mm -hmm. know um, like I used to do guest services or like guest relations, um, uh, for a doctor who convention. And it was like, you know, I loved going to the panels where it was actors from the show or, you know, it's a media scholar, right. Talking about like the influence of doctor who, um, and I felt those like were very interesting, but the sort of like fan panels, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, is that bad? I mean, I'm also, like, not necessarily the biggest panel person in the world, but it's just sort of like, like, if I saw that, I would just be like, well, I could just, I could just YouTube that later. You know, like, part of going to a convention is, is the experience and the camaraderie and, like, getting, getting to do things that you can't do online. You know? I suppose. I don't know. I just, I think that I don't know. I just like it. Yeah. Gotta, so do you I, think like we're not going to see a change? Like I, I wonder because like, this is sort of seeing... like the the first convention post pandemic. I wonder if like the pandemic is going to change what people seek out like, in I conventions. Think, I think what might be happening is that the people that would have done good panels like that uh-huh. have made YouTube video essay channels about it. Yeah. And so what you have is all the people that haven't made video channel essays because one reason or another, and they aren't necessarily the type of people that have thought it like they were the ones that would read a book about Japanese religion and mispronounce kami. <laughs> like like they're the people that would be left. Right. But I do think that I enjoy the lecture format. I like I don't know, I just like it. Like I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, this is always the thing is like there's something that i just enjoy and i don't necessarily have a reason why man Um, you know what what panel i would love to run um is like a like a like give me give me your nerd ted talk like like we put like a five minute timer on and it's like all right nerds like get in line you have five minutes like present us with like your five minute like like TED talk. <laughs> I think that would be good. Yeah. Like, like TED talk style panels to kind of fill in the space between like the major draw panels. Yeah. I don't know if it would actually attract anybody to talk. Oh no. Nerds love to hear themselves talk. I mean, like l- listen to this fucking podcast. Yeah. Some of them do, but there's a lot of introverts that will just like not want to stand up in front of a crowd of strangers and talk if they weren't expecting to do so. But then I guess why would you go to that panel if you weren't expecting? Yeah. To yeah. But I don't know. It's just maybe, maybe. I, I just, I, I just feel like, you know, cause it, it's weird. Cause like coming out of the pandemic and I, I hate that phrase. Cause it's like, it's still very much going on. <laughs> we've been, we've been saying we've been coming out of the right. pandemic for like the last nine months at this point. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And, um, you know, and like there's, the like like the winter season is coming up and apparently that's gonna like change a lot of things especially yeah anyway um and so i hate that phrase like coming out of the pandemic but i think like one of the things that i kind of realized is like i want to go to more conventions um like i'm in my fucking 30s so i really have like no business doing this anymore with my life but like i don't know like it would be fun to go to a convention again like maybe not for like a whole weekend um, but like we're in the DC, like experts, like, there's one kind of every weekend, you know, within an hour's drive of where we live. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just like, you know, the more I think about like, what do I want out of a convention? And it's definitely more on the like experiential side of things. Right. Like I want to see cosplays. I want to participate in activities. And I guess, I guess just like sitting in a lecture hall, like listening to somebody talk about something is just not, I just like, I want to go to a convention, but not if that's what I'm going to do. I get that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And people go to conventions for all kinds of different reasons. Like the, the panels was one of the big things that I really enjoyed when I first went to NecoCon back in 2017, 18, whenever NecoCon was. But like, that was like, the thing I enjoyed the most. Yeah. And so that's what made me want to come back again and again. And then the other stuff is kind of what grew on me. So yeah, but like it, everyone has something different from a convention experience that they take from it. And so yeah. to deprive someone of something that they might like might not necessarily be the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that's not necessarily what you want to be doing. And no, but it's like, like I wonder how many other people also feel like I do. I don't know. Because, like, I don't think I'm alone in this. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I uh, I can definitely see a point to that. Because I've also never really been big on panels at conventions. Like, I'll go to a convention. I will see what's on like what's on the agenda and I'll pick like, I don't know, maybe like 10 panels over the course of the weekend that I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. And then 
of those 10, I'll maybe go to like seven or eight. Um, and then I just kind of spend the rest of the time just looking at booths and like looking at people's cosplays. It also depends on what kind of convention that is. Um, cause like some conventions might have something that I can like dip in and dip out of. Like if they've got like a game room, that's really good. Or like, uh, like a, like a film festival or something going on. Like that might be more interesting to me than like 90% of the actual panels, but it depends. Like, but I do think that, yeah, a lot of fan run panels with the exception of the ones that we do from ArsCon uh, <laughs> are just kind of like, yeah, you could probably just go see a YouTube video that does the same thing, but it's a little bit more engaging. I guess the difference would be like, you could actually like talk back potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that kind of gets awkward too, or it could. I just, I don't know. I remember there was that one at the uh, the Doctor Who convention that you were mentioning earlier. Did you go to this one with me? Where it was like, uh, like a bunch of graduate students no, they weren't even graduate students. They were undergrads. Were they undergrads? They were like 18 okay. or 19. Okay. Um, and like it was their, them and their professor. And I can't even remember what the topic was, but it was like an interesting idea. But then we got there and it's like, oh, but like no one here is like an intra, like an expert in that topic. Like you're just, you're kind of starting to study that topic. Yeah. And it was just sort of like very vague and like, there wasn't like a lot of concrete examples. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And I guess like, that's kind of where I, where I'm at too. It's like a lot of times you go to a convention and it's like the panels have a lot of promise and you get there and it's like, it's sort of half-assed and it's sort of real. And it's like, well, I could have stayed home and watched like a YouTube video about Mm -hmm. this same topic that would have like a fucking bibliography attached to it. Oh, one of the things we were in probably the best panel that we went to uh, this weekend was mm. about trains uh, in God Japan. Damn it. To be okay, clear, Alex. the best fan panel we went to, the best panel we went to was uh, very clearly shit. The, the the one where the voice actors were going through like the script demands and being like, these are actual script demands that I've gotten. And like the wildly contradictory and like nonsensical requests that they got. That yeah. was, I, I don't know. I enjoyed I enjoyed the train stuff more, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, one of the things it did to make it interactive as a fan panel was if you ha- when you had questions at the end, if you asked the right question, you unlocked a secret bonus slide to the PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of neat. And just unlock like three out of eight or something like that. Um, that's kind of, yeah, like that's the thing. It's like there has to be some sort of like interactive mm-hmm. interactive element to it. Yeah, like I think you unlocked one of the bonus. I did unlock you? one of them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's like a really cool idea. I really like that. Because I like that's the thing I, that you don't get when you're like on your computer watching a YouTube video. I right? also argued with one presenter who was talking about anime set in the 1930s about whether or not Porco Rosso was set in the 1930s. <laughs> and Janet was just like having a meltdown the whole time. Oh, poor Janet. So so what what 
what is your uh what is your argument alex so my argument is that porco rosso set in the 1920s and that because the whole the whole thing was the the whole necacon theme this year was 1920s because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be that last year and then because la- it was 20 right and, yeah. mm-hmm. did something happen last year Something may have happened last year. Nothing happened uh, last year. That was like... the problem. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so their argument was that like, oh, the internet said it was the 40s when I looked into it, but I thought it was the 20s. But no, my argument is that it is very clearly in the background of uh, Porco Rosso. Um, he is buying like ammunition in like this place that's like not Italy. And it's in the Adriatic, like that's where they they say it's set. And there's like a street, like a bunch of soldiers marching through the street with like flags and they're throwing leaflets of propaganda. And everyone's like, "Oh, there's a new government in town. We won't be able to do this any longer." And it was like, "Well, what is this? Who is this place?" Because like it's not set in like a fantasy world. It's set in like our world with fascists in Italy and such. So the only answer they have is the Free State of Fiume which is a small little city state. I've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, I've talked about, I love talking about little uh, tiny city states that don't exist anymore. Um, Did you just do the Slavic Jizek sniff there, Alex? uh, Not intentionally. No. Um, But the, (laughs) but Fiume was like post-World War one, like the rural population was ethnically Slovenian uh, the urban population is ethnically Italian, and they're like, we're going to make this its own thing until we can have like a proper plebiscite and try to determine which state it's going to be in, Yugoslavia or Italy. Uh, and uh, Gabriele D'Annunzio, who is this like proto-fascist Italian poet, uh, decided that he was going to take matters into his own hands and like raised an army of veterans from the war and basically like had a coup in Fiume. Uh, oh yeah there was a uh, behind the bastards episode about this guy yeah um and so like that happened in like 24 mm-hmm. and so like it must be at some point around that time so that's why i made the argument that the movie is set in 1924 uh, according um, according to the wikipedia page mm-hmm. so oh, take no, that no. for what it's yeah. worth it is set in 1929 Okay, yeah, that was what that was what he did. Is is I mentioned my argument, and he looked up the Wikipedia page and said, "Huh, nine twenty nine And this became a whole debate, this, and this like raised all the feathers of of the few people that were involved involved in this. Wow, um, <laughs> you seem very interested and fascinated by this. <laughs> I, it's just, yeah, no, I am. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, um, but yeah, so so that was that was a thing that happened. Um, was there something else that you did? Uh, what did we do? Because you were talking about loving a good bit, and that reminded me that we played a uh, a one shot of Vampire the Masquerade. We did play a one shot of a Vampire of the Masquerade because oh, that is my favorite part of any role playing game. Is having a is bit, finding a bit and exploiting the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was your bit? Um. So, so it was our friend. So our friend DM'd it, and it was sort of like a Halloween kind of present one shot. Uh, 
one shot. And, and he rolled all of the characters up. So we just kind of picked what character we wanted. And so he basically, um, if you're familiar, are you familiar with the setting for Vampire the Masquerade? Yes, I'm, okay. I'm familiar. Are you familiar? No. No? Okay. Okay. So the, the, the basic thing is that there's like a bunch of different like clans of vampire and each clan of vampire has their own sort of gimmick. So he rolled one for each clan is essentially what he did. Um, and then we just kind of chose from there. So Elise, what, what was the character that you chose? Uh, I forget what the clan was, but it was the people who were like really obsessed with like nice things. Um, They're the Anne Rice vampires. Basically. The Anne Rice vampires. And so I played one that was uh, once upon a time, she had starred in a... Um, like once upon a time she'd starred in like a fan favorite kind of TV show, like star tracker or firefly. Um, and is now like the CEO of her own modeling slash talent agency. And so basically like I was like the face, um, I played the face and my, my character was there to pretty much just be the connections person, uh, mm -hmm. to get them in wherever they needed to go. Right. Um, and the, the conceit of the one shot was, uh, we're out in the city, which is like LA. Um, we were kind of like, we're out in LA and, or it's called the city. We're in the city and there's a group of vampires, um, or not vampires. There's a, there's a rock group that's coming to town and like a lot of weird shit happens. And basically- the what? Is it the Hex Girls? No. <laughs> but like uh, the prince, the prince of L.A. is like, bring me their heads on spikes. Like, no, they're doing they're they're feeding on people. And in my city, without my by, permission, without my permission, like how fucking dare they? Like, you need to bring their heads back. And um, so we have to like get into this like goth concert on Halloween night and uh, figure out like what breed of, of, you know, paranormal creature are they? Are they vampire? Are they fae? Are they werewolves? And then uh, kill them and bring them back to the prince. So like, that's the whole concept of the one shot that we did. And, um, and so my character, <laughs> that was like, I just, I just had like the Moira Rose accent from Shit's Creek. Mm -hmm. And was just like kept hauling everybody darling all night. I was just like, darling. Oh, would wouldn't you just be a doll and do this for me? I'm like, I kept rolling really well. And so it was like literally every time. And everybody was like, Yeah, sure, I'll just do that for you. It's fine. <laughs> nice. Um uh Nick played like Nosferatu. Yeah. So there's a Nos uh, there's a Nosferatu clan. So imagine like a really hot chick being followed around by like like a really like attractive woman in her forties being followed around by Nos Nosferatu all night. And that was, that was the gig at a goth concert. Yeah. That was the, that was the game. So, was, so was it just you two playing? It no, there was yeah. a few other friends playing as well. Okay. Um, Is yeah, so my character other group of friends? was, um, it, it was like the, the hacker man for the group. Oh, so, so the, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's that. It's that in the. I was going to name a friend of ours, and I like I shouldn't name. Mm. Shouldn't name. Um. So, the the. Uh, he basically his vampire sire ran like a blackmail network that my character is sort of inherited and is bringing into the 21st century with his computer skills. And so he was like the sneaky computer hackery man, which was pretty fun. Um, but the thing that really sold me the character was the guy like put in uh, like human, like you have to have connections uh, in this game that kind of keep you fairly human so that you don't go completely feral. Uh, and, and the thing that I saw that like really made me like love the character was his connection since he's, you know, he looks like Nosferatu, right? Like from, from, uh, the Murnau movie. Right. Um, it's very hard for him to have connections, but he's like, you know, 21st century internet vampire. So his human connection, um, was that he was in love with a cam girl, like an adult entertainment actress online, that okay. he like watched all of her shows and like interacted with her through chat. Did he buy her bathwater? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. But we didn't get there. Probably. Yeah, we didn't actually get the, it was just like flavor for the characters and if we were to play like a full campaign, that would be important information. Um but I just I I thought that was great. I thought that was a nice touch. I decided that he um he was one of so he was supposed to be the youngest, but I like bumped him back to like having been turned in the nineties. So he still thinks like uh, leather dusters are like the coolest piece of clothing ever. And he doesn't <laughs> wear like anything else. Oh dear. <laughs> and he's goes, but he goes by his internet handle, which is, uh, I was, what did I go with? Was it Mr. Mr. Ninja or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> At Mr. Ninja on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know if he uses Twitter. He probably still uses MIRC. <laughs> um, and refers to the real world as meat space. <laughs> anyway. It was... Sounds like so much fun. And again, I am I am missing the fact that I am not up with y'all. So that I yeah. yeah. Um, well, we will find time for, for, for other... RPGs yes. in the not too distant future. We I will think make, we will make secret plans of stuff. secret plans mm-hmm. that are now no longer as secret. A little secret. <laughs> um. Anyway, so was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? Because we are getting a little bit out on time. Yeah, and we did spend a fair amount of time on um, fixing audio issues and not really fixing audio issues yeah um, so <laughs> so is there anything else you want to talk about or do we want to call it for the night um i think that's all that i really have i'm i'm chill if other people are are fine all right well thank you all for listening to some nerds of a podcast i'm alex i'm nick i'm elise i'm janet yeah! <laughs> and we've been some nerds of a podcast you all have a wonderful night <laughs>